The views and opinions expressed on this show are purely the views and opinions of the person who made them and do not necessarily reflect or agree with those of the show's commercial sponsors, its radio station affiliates, or internet broadcast platforms. As the restriction on our God-given right to free speech manifests itself throughout the world, we are inspired by Jesus Christ's immortal words, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And we reserve the rights to all our words. Thank you, and now enjoy the show. over you simply find out who you are not allowed to criticize you are listening to ach i'm andy your host today it's birthday so it's time for the weekly show with my good friend dr peter hammond i'm going to bring them up right now peter are you with me i am indeed thank you andrew thank you so much peter it's always great to have you on the title of our show today folks is the real story of demonic possession and its role in the revolutionary movement now i did a show last week i believe it was with eric carlston where i mentioned a bit shoot clip that uh, jeff rents had put up on his rents.com site of uh, what looks like russia some woman screaming about uh, killing the goyim and what have you it's a pretty harrowing clip but i wanted to get it over to peter for him to look at to see if he believed that this was demonic possession i've only seen it a couple of times i really i'm probably going to put my headphones down when i play it now because i find it very very eerie and quite uh, freak me out to be quite honest with you but i will include the link in the post for this show andrewcarringtonhitchcock.com so you can view it if you would like it's a couple of minutes and um it's well, actually, I'm going to have to view it because it's obviously not in English, so I'm going to read the subtitles of what is said, uh, the translation. Um, so here we go. This is going to be the springboard for our show today. So I'll just mute uh, Peter, and I'm just going to go to my browser so I can play this bit shoot clip. And uh, where is it? Here it is. Russian Jewish woman goes crazy on bus, calls everyone Goyim. That's the title of the clip. Here we go, folks. Just... Uh, Goyim, you all Goyim. Murmurs in the crowd, we will record this. Goyim, leave the Goyim. Goyim, damn Goyim, you are Goyim. Goyim, is it clear? What is clear to you? What is clear to you at all? What is clear to you, Goy? You're Goyim, you're Goyim, you are Goyim. You're Goyim. Somebody in the crowd, call the cops. Go do it. Go do it. Go do it. 
We'll see who wins. Go do it. I'm a Jewess. I will slaughter every one of you. You raise your paws on me. On a Jewess, you would raise your paws. I will kill you. We will kill you. Got that? I'll tear you into meat. You're all meat. I'll tell you apart into meat. I'll tear you all apart. Come over here. Come over here. Come over here. I'll crucify you on the synagogue. Got that? I'll crucify you in the synagogue. Our rabbis will tear you all into guts there. You got that? Inaudible murmurs in the crowd, it says. These are people in the crowd talking now. You're out of your mind. I think we'll leave that there for now. So uh, let's go back to Peter for his thoughts on that clip. Peter, please go ahead. Well, it certainly brings back unhappy memories because, yes, I've come across demonic possession. I was born in Africa. I've lived in Africa my whole life, 60 years. I've been a missionary to the persecuted church for over 38 years. I've been missions for over 40 years. So having traveled across 42 countries, worked in 38 countries, been involved in eight wars and three revolutions, I know communism and I can believe what's being said uh, because it's consistent with uh, communism, what I've seen and what I've experienced. So uh, let me just give you um, some insights, and then we'll get into uh, the writings and quotes of Karl Marx and Vladimir Lenin and Che Guevara and others uh, to, to see uh, exactly the occultic, satanic, demonic roots of Marxism. And uh, plainly, the revolution uh, is demonic, it is satanic, and demon possession is a real part of it. Now, I'm sure many people in the West, many people listening to this may say, oh, come on, you know, that sort of thing doesn't happen. Well, come here to Africa and I'll introduce you to it, but I don't think you need to go very far. I think in your own cities in the West, you're seeing demonic possession taking place right now, and you just study the history of communism and you'll see it. But let, let me give you an example. I, I was going into Mozambique as a new Christian, a new missionary, my first mission field, 1982, uh, that's 38 years ago. A smuggling in Bible, showing the Jesus form, so on. And I experienced demonic possession take place. I saw in a communist country, Mozambique, people going absolutely berserk. I mean, I'm talking about with them taking their fingernails and ripping their own face open so that blood spurted from their face. I've seen people writhing on the ground like snakes, uh, crowing like roosters, I've seen people barking like dogs, making pig noises, 
uh, worming themselves around on the ground, writhing in agony, uh, swaying under demonic uh, influences. And I've also seen at communist rallies in Mozambique where the drums are playing and the people are swaying and the people are getting under demonic kind of powers. Now, uh, I can go further than that and tell you that one night I had a supper with eight ex-communists that had all been part of the Swapo communist movement in Southwest Africa, but they had uh, been um, somehow they'd gotten on the wrong side of the law in Angola and they'd end up in a communist concentration camp and were being tortured there. Now, these are survivors, so I'm speaking to them afterwards. And over the meal time, uh, they started to tell me the hellish, torturous, degrading, unbelievable things they had to endure. And uh, uh, you may find it hard to comprehend this, but conditions in the camps, we're talking about a place like Quattro and so on up in Angola, uh, where Cuban and other East Europeans and also Vietnamese were there uh, in Angola. Uh, they like to use the uh, Vietnamese often for training the communists, the MPLA in Angola, because they spoke French. Uh, many of the old ones when it had been part of a French um, colony, and that was not too far from Portuguese, so they, they had an easier time communicating. So you had, you had Vietnamese in these camps too. So they were, uh, their, their prisons in many cases were holes in the ground with uh, sort of fenced grid barbed wire over the top, but they put at the lowest point in the camp so that all the uh, dredge and sewer slime would, would uh, by gravity uh, flow into their pit. So they couldn't even lie down easily because they're lying in filth. And uh, so this is the condition. And of course, prisoners, uh, along could come the prison guards and they'd urinate on them, they'd spit on them and, and so on. They, they were just in an open place, men, women, you know, uh, open pit with barbed wire and, and some thorn bushes and branches, uh, logs and so on over the top. So rain, uh, and this is the tropics, there's lots of rain and lots of filth flowing into that kind of condition. You can imagine how sick the people got and all, all of the rest, the fact that they survived uh, is amazing. And, and they'd be hung up and uh, tortured in different ways. So at one point, these um, people just start to cry out and, and one said, why don't you just kill us and get it over with? And this one God, apparently a Cuban, responded to them. And I've heard these words from other people in Eastern Europe and other parts of Africa where communists on charge. But let me just quote this first time I heard it in Angola. Now we're talking about the 1980s. Why don't you just kill us and get over it? And the response of the Cuban was, oh, no, no, we don't want to kill you and send you to heaven with God. No. We want you to curse Christ and come to hell with us for all eternity. Now, there, Andrew, is the heart and soul of communism. We don't want to kill you and send you to heaven with God. We want you to curse Christ and come to hell with us for all eternity. Now, uh, let me digress just a moment from here. The French Revolution. During the French Revolution, a lot of demonic things took place. In fact, it was an extremely demonic time. And that's been well documented by Otto Scott and Robespierre there, uh, inside the French Revolution book, which is superb. And, and we've dealt with it before there. But just one thing that shows you the, the mentality of the Robespierre Jacobins who are running 
uh, the revolution in France, they took away the young son of of King Louis the Sixteenth and um, and of Queen Mary Antoinette. They took him away, and this was great trauma, of course, to the mother to have her older son separate from her. And he was he's known in history as Louis the Seventeenth, not that he was ever crowned. Uh, and of course, the first king after the revolution was defeated was Louis the Eighteenth. Then, so uh, they took away Louis. This, let's call him Louis the Seventeenth and uh, separated him from his mother and from all uh, family, and they put him in the hands of people who were actually uh, pretty evil. And and this was the, the whole purpose, was to uh, put him under evil context. And only once they'd got him so debauched that he blasphemed that they let him die of neglect and lack of food, and then formed his mother, Mary Antoinette, before she died, before the queen was guillotined, don't expect to see your son where you're going. We got your son to renounce Christ and blaspheme his name. He is now an atheist and he's one of us. So you won't be seeing him where you're going. Can you imagine what kind of mentality would want to torture and debase a youngster, preteen at that, a, little, a child effectively, and get him to the point where they could take delight in torturing the mother emotionally and mentally more uh, before her death, which she faced with great courage. But all right, that's that's um, uh, Angola and the mentality. But how do you like these quotes? Here's some quotes, because if people think at communism is secular, they haven't done their research. Richard Wurmbrandt, who spent 14 years being tortured by the communists in Romania, and he's the author of Tortured for Christ, and there's an excellent film that's come out also, Tortured for Christ, by the same name, all filmed in Romania with Romanians and Russians. Uh, and, and the film is in English, Russian and Romanian with English subtitles when Romanian and Russian is used. Well worth seeing. It's so authentic in the actual cells and psychiatric prisons where they were tortured uh, in the actual events uh, places where these events took place. Very authentically well, well done. Uh, so well recommend Tortured for Christ, both the book and the film. Uh, Richard Wombrandt was a family friend. My, my wife grew up with him as a frequent guest on around the dinner table. Richard Wombrandt, who bore in his body the scars of the tortures uh, inflicted on him in 14 years in the concentration camps, he wrote the book Marx and Satan. Highly recommended, Marx and Satan by Richard Wombrandt. And he documents, and I believe conclusively proves, that Karl Marx, Marx was not an atheist as much as a communist. Uh, take these direct quotes from Karl Marx, all footnoted in Marx and Satan by Richard Wurmbrandt. This is one of his poems, Olenim, which is an inversion of Emmanuel, Olenim. Quote, the hellish vapors rise and fill the brain till I go mad and my heart is utterly changed. See this sword, the prince of darkness sold it to me. For me, beats the time and gives the signs ever more boldly. I dance, I play the dance of death. Now, that's a direct quote from uh, Karl Marx's poem, Olenim. Here's another one that he wrote. I wish to avenge myself against the one who rules above. I shall build my throne high overhead. Cold, tremendous shall its summit be. For its bulwark, superstitious dread. For its martial blackest agony. Quotes from Karl Marx. 
Does this sound secular to you? Here's another quote. New gods have to be installed. Now, just think how one of the first things revolutionaries do, whether you're talking about the French Revolution, the Bolshevik Revolution, the BLM Revolution, they pull down monuments and statues of heroes of the country's history. And then they've, after they've torn down those statues, instead of the heroes of the country and culture, they now give fake heroes. And uh, so new gods have to be installed. Think Hollywood and all their fake heroes to replace our real heroes. How's this poem? This is a poem called Human Pride, written by Karl Marx. With disdain, I will throw my gauntlet full in the face of the world and see the collapse of this pygmy giant whose fall will not stifle my ardor. Then I will wander godlike and victorious through the ruins of the world and giving my words an act of force, I will feel equal to the creator. Now, this should put a chill down one's spine to understand here's somebody who's almost echoing Satan. It's, it's like Karl Marx was so demon-possessed, it's as though he is quoting Satan, the Lucifer, the archangel, who wanted to build his throne high above that of God, and who wanted to replace God, and who believed himself greater than God, and who wanted to destroy the world. You get these words from Karl Marx. Karl Marx's very good friend, Frederick Engels, who financed him a lot because Karl Marx, as you know, was not a worker. <laughs> he didn't work a day in his life. He was uh, as lazy as it came, and he, he lived on other people's money, and he lived on inheritances, and he speculated in the stock exchange and gambled and did all the things that a good Marxist should not be doing. But, hey, hypocrisy has always been part of it. So his good friend, Frederick Engels, said, Karl Marx is a monster possessed by 10,000 devils. Now, that's a quote from Frederick Engels. This isn't something that Richard Wormbrandt or Peter Hammond wrote, some anti-communist. Here we're just quoting what Frederick Engels wrote in praise of his good friend. He's probably the best friend Karl Marx had. Karl Marx is a monster possessed by 10,000 devils. And this is meant to be a positive comment. Robert Payne, another friend of Karl Marx, wrote, Karl Marx had the devil's view of the world and the devil's malice. Sometimes he seemed to know he was accomplishing the works of evil. Again, this is not a criticism. This is Robert Payne praising his friend. Karl Marx has the devil's view of the world and the devil's malice. He seemed to know he was accomplishing the works of evil. Now, that's intriguing. Here's another um, comment, a quote from Karl Marx. Karl Marx wrote it, I want to hurl gigantic curses on mankind. Now, why would he want to whole curses on mankind, because however fallen and fallible and sometimes downright evil we are, we bear some, some part of the image of God in how he has created us. And so he says he wants to hold gigantic curses on mankind. Karl Marx quoted, uh, it was actually originally said by the Paris Communard, Florence, our enemy is God. Hatred of God is the beginning of wisdom. And so regularly Karl Marx would repeat this. Our enemy is God. Hatred of God is the beginning of wisdom. Now, immediately you've got to recognize, if you know Proverbs, that he's inverting a verse in the Bible that says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the fear of God is the beginning of knowledge. And those quotes from Proverbs are often over the entrance to great universities of the world, and I've seen some of them. And uh, just take uh, his great um, disciple, Vladimir Lenin. Vladimir Lenin declared, 
atheism is the natural and inseparable part of communism. We must hate. Hatred is the basis of communism. Quote, unquote, from Vladimir Lenin. Now, uh, understand that today there are people who, who, without irony and not meant as a joke, describe themselves as Christian Marxists and Christian communists and Christian socialists. And I've, I've met some people like that. And you just wonder, have they done no research? Do they do not know? Have they no discernment? Uh, have they never read or understood what communism is? Uh, incredible. Under Vladimir Lenin, one of the slogans of the Soviet Union was, we fight against God to snatch believers from him. Another popular regular slogan in the newspapers of Pravda and Izvestia and on posters in the Soviet Union was, let us drive out the capitalists from the earth and God from heaven. Seriously, this, this is what he said. And now uh, Karl Marx also wrote, we destroy the most hallowed oblations. I mean, I think he means obligations. We destroy the most hallowed obligations when we replace home education with social education. What he's saying is we must not allow parents to bring up their children because they'll bring them up in the old faith. We need to bring up the children in state schools. We've got to replace home education i.e. Christian education, parental traditional education, with state socialist education. It makes sense because Karl Marx basically pioneered the very idea of state education, the idea that education must be controlled by the state, teachers must be trained and licensed by the state, attendance of state schools must be mandatory, and the school teachers must be trained by the state, licensed by the state, the textbooks must come from the state, even in the private schools. They must use state textbooks, state curriculum, and the teachers must be licensed by the state, which means by the anti-God people. Now, uh, you know a man buys fruit. So how do you like this for the fruit of Karl Marx? Karl Marx's family was a disaster. He had seven children by his wife, Jenny, another by his housemaid, Helen DeMoth. So he had eight children. One of his daughters, Eleanor, married Edward Aveling, a Satanist, well known for his blasphemous lectures on the wickedness of God and for his poem of devotion to Satan. And that's who Eleanor married, and she became a major communist leader and, of course, feminist. Three of Karl Marx's children starved to death. Five of his children died prematurely. Two of his daughters committed suicide, and his wife committed suicide. Now, <clears throat> Karl Marx wrote, I do not love anyone. I'm entirely comfortable with hatred. And that is Karl Marx. Karl Marx said, communism abolishes eternal truths. It abolishes all religion and all morality. I think I've quoted enough from Karl Marx and Vladimir Lenin to prove the point that he was anti-God and he was satanic. But here's one of his disciples, and a lot of young people around in our neighborhoods are probably wearing this creeps picture on their T-shirts, Che Guevara. Che Guevara was the hitman of the Cuban Revolution uh, he boasted that he had killed at least 4,000 people personally, uh, including women and children. And uh, he was the man who ran the firing squads under the Cuban Revolution. He was uh, Fidel Castro's right-hand man. So Che Guevara, who people today like to wear his T-shirts, I don't know why, because <clears throat> he hated gays, he hated blacks, he hated, uh, he despised um, <laughs> Um, <clears throat> the 
homosexuals, and he was a uh, mass murdering, a dirty, unwashed communist tyrant, anti-Christian persecuted church. And yet there's a lot of people that he despised uh, wearing his T-shirt picture. Strange. So here's a quote from Che Guevara. Hatred is an element of our struggle, unbending, unrelenting hatred for the enemy, which pushes a human being beyond his natural limitations, making him a cold-blooded killing machine. This is what our soldiers must become, cold-blooded killing machines. Crazy with fury, I will stain my rifle red while slaughtering any enemy that falls in my path. My nostrils dilate while savoring the acrid odor of gunpowder and blood. With the death of my enemies, I prepare my being for the sacred fight and join the triumphant proletariat with a bestial howl. You know what bestial means? It's, it's the beast, the howl of the beast with a bestial howl. And here's a quote from Ernesto Che Guevara. If Christ himself stood in my way, I would not hesitate to squash him like a worm. Can you imagine? Now, as it happens, it's Ernesto Che Guevara who's being squashed like a worm because Christ is alive today and Che Guevara is in hell, doubtless, receiving us just eternal rewards. And isn't it amazing that they promise them liberty while they themselves are slaves of corruption and depravity? So from my experience in Mozambique and Angola, and I was a prisoner in Mozambique as well, and in my uh, first serious interrogation in Mashava Security Prison in Tet, which is uh, uh, in Maputo, which is run uh, by SNASP, the security police in Mozambique, Uh, The East Germans were their trainers. And as I was dragged from my cell, solitary confinement cell, where I could have touched both walls, one hand and the other at the same time, and my foot could touch the other wall, my head could touch the other wall. So that's the size of the cell. And I was just lying on the floor. There wasn't so much as a blanket, a pillow. There wasn't any bucket. There was no sanitation. There was no water. There was no uh, furniture. There was nothing in the cell. It was just the walls, the bars, and the and the door. And the door wasn't that well fitting because there's space under the door for rats to come in and out. And I'd wake up with the rats nibbling on me. And so in the cell, uh, the gate opened and out they dragged me uh, down a long corridor into a room that was very uh, intimidating because the room had, it looked like a hardware store of equipment, talking about everything, <laughs> pliers and saws and hammers and tweezers and electric sockets and uh, battery. They obviously didn't trust the power from the uh, country because there was mostly blackout most of the time there. But they had a battery, car battery, with uh, wires uh, from that and crocodile clips to attach the body parts. And the leather chair that I had to sit in had arm and ankle restrainers, leather strainers with, with clasps. So you didn't need much of an imagination to understand what that room was used for. And the first words I heard from the man who was doing the interviewing, the, the SNASP security police uh, man was, I am the devil. That's what he said about himself. That was his words of introduction. I'm the devil. I said, you're not the devil. And he said, oh, I am the devil. I was, I'm not only a Marxist and a Leninist, I'm a Stalinist. I was trained in Czechoslovakia. And I responded, well, I'm a Christian. And he 
his face contorted and he spat out, and I can't do justice to how he spat out, but he spat out, I hate Christians. It just, with such venom, it was like a demonic manifestation. As I said, I'm a Christian. The, the hatred that just poured out of this man. And, well, that's, that's another story. But I've experienced, I've had these people during that same imprisonment uh, cocking their rifles, taking their bayonets and pointing it right there, right close to my eyeball, and their arms trembling and seeing the bloodshot eyes and them screaming, you are going to die, and over and over. And you could see these people were demonically possessed and absolutely filled with such hatred. They didn't know me from anyone, but I represented whites, I represented Christians, I represent missionaries, all things they obviously hated, and there they were um, just venting the hatred. And the times like when I'd be getting kicked and I, I just have, for no reason, I just have to uh, uh, fall to the ground and, and put myself in a ball, you know, a kneeling position where you, you try and protect your vitals, lean quite over and try and um, have your arms protecting your ears and uh, your, your nose and mouth uh, huddled under sort of close to your knees so that you present a bit of a ball uh, and, and just take whatever blows from the kicks and the hits with bamboo and so on. Uh, <clears throat> there's nothing to explain the kind of tortures they use. And I don't want to traumatize people by talking about the kind of satanic, demonic uh, tortures that are, are used because it's true. They don't just want to kill people because what's the point of that? Because Jesus is the resurrection to life and death for the Christian is not fatal and uh, death for the Christian is not final. And those who die in Christ, he is the resurrection life. And uh, those who die in Christ will be raised on the last day. And therefore, they don't get much satisfaction over just torturing people to death. They want to see you curse Christ. They want to uh, turn people to a point. It's not just to get information out of the people. As documented by Richard Wurmbrandt in his Tortured for Christ, much of the tortures were done for no other reason than the sadistic joy of inflicting pain. And he quotes in, in Tortured for Christ this one communist who said to him, I thank the God I don't believe in, that I am able to express all the hatred in my heart without any fear of consequences. And he was just whipping the soles of Richard Wimbrandt's feet and things like this, just taking delight in causing pain to somebody every time he moved or could stand and uh, walk and so on. And <clears throat> there's so many things that that have happened, such as crucifying a pastor on the cross of his church, which it didn't matter me, crucifying Christians in Sudan and in the Nuba Mountains and having people who would then, with the live people on the cross, take target practice, trying to shoot off toes and fingers and things like this. Why, why would you do this? Uh, why is there so many things? Uh, just think of, if you've seen The Passion of the Christ film, uh, where I think very realistically Mel Gibson depicts the kind of uh, hatred that was foisted on Christ when the devil and his people thought they had the Son of God in their hands. And uh, when you read the Gospels clearly, you can see that, in fact, Mel Gibson did not ever do it. And I could immediately relate because I could see the same kind of mocking, the sadistic desire to cause pain uh, that I've experienced when I've been in the hands of communists in, in imprisonment. So there is no doubt in my mind that we're dealing with a completely uh, demonic reality. Marxism is demonic. Marxism is satanic. And uh, I should 
close this off with a quote from Alexander Solzhenitsyn. Alexander Solzhenitsyn, who, remember, was a member of the Red Army. He was a captain in the Red Army artillery. He fought in the Second World War. And for a private comment, which was considered somewhat critical uh, or at least not slavishly supportive of the great leader, the dictator Joseph Stalin, he was put in the gulag and tortured there for eight years. Alexander Solzhenitsyn, who's the uh, author of the Gulag Archipelago, he gave the word, the term Gulag, to explain the 1,200 concentration camps in the Soviet Union, which chewed up over 50 million lives. And uh, he, who, who documented so much this in books like The Cancer Ward and One Day in the Life of Ivan Denisovich, win of the uh, Nobel Literature Award and so on, uh, Alexander Solzhenitsyn is certainly the greatest Russian author of the 20th century. This is his considered opinion, and I'm quoting from Alexander Solzhenitsyn. The world has never before known a godlessness as organized, militarized, and tenaciously malevolent as that preached by Marxism. Within the philosophical system of Marx and Lenin, and at the heart of their psychology, hatred of God is the principal driving force, more fundamental than all their political and economic pretensions. Militant atheism is not merely incidental or marginal to the communist policy. No, militant atheism is not a side effect. It is the central pivot to destroy, to achieve its diabolical ends. That's devilish ends. Communism needs to control a population entirely devoid of religious and national feelings. And this entails a destruction of faith and of nationhood. Communists proclaim both of these objectives openly and just as openly they put them into practice. So that's a quote from Alexander Solzhenitsyn, hatred of God is the central driving force, the central pivot, the most fundamental act and part of communism. Their political and economic pretensions are the side issues. The central issue of communism is hatred of God. And that should make people who thought that communism was primarily concerned with uplifting the poor, which, well, <laughs> just looking at recent history proves that that's never so. The issue is never the issue, the issue is the revolution. And at the heart of the revolution is demonic, occultic, satanic, anti-Christian malice and hatred. Back to you, Andrew. Thank you very much, Peter. And of course, uh, uh, I'll grab my book in a moment because uh, I've got some interesting... Uh, I mean, you mentioned about communism, this laughable claim that it's to uplift the poor. Well, it uplifts certain people and... Um, but the, the, that's the selling point. That's how they sell it to people. They they need to get people to get rid of the old order. And so they promise them something. So they will be their attack dogs on the street. But when communism actually rolls out, we see it's a very different beast, don't we? We do indeed. <laughs> and that's that's why missionaries and people on the ground and people from the persecuted church will not give you the same view that you're going to get in university campuses in the political science class. Because what you're getting in the political science class in average university is absolute eyewash. It's propaganda. It's nonsense. It's it's fantasy. It's unrelated to the reality on the ground. And just as Professor R.J. Rummel has documented uh, in his uh, book, Death by Government, that uh, what is being taught in the name of political science is so divorced from the reality of what's actually going on on the ground uh, as to make it uh, laughably irrelevant. What we need today is political science classes and books that recognize the reality of what's going on there. So it's not enough to say, well, Karl Marx promised this and Marxism promised that and the Communist Party and the Socialists. This. 
It doesn't matter what they say and pro promise. What do they do? Back to you, Andrew. Yes, well, uh, I just grabbed uh, the Synagogue of Satan, and in April of 1918, the London Times correspondent to Russia, Robert Wilton, produced a table showing the ethnic structure of the 384 commissars in the new Russian government. These commissars included two Negroes, 13 Russians, 15 Chinamen, 22 Armenians, and more than 300 Jews. Of those Jews, 264 had come to Russia from the United States since the downfall of the imperial government. And uh, we'll go on to the Winston Churchill article um, from 1920. This was... Uh, from the Sunday Herald, February the 8th, 1920. Some people like Jews and some do not, but no thoughtful man can doubt the fact that they are beyond all question the most formidable and the most remarkable race which has ever appeared in the world. And it may well be that this same astounding race may be at the present time be in the actual process of producing another system of morals and philosophy as malevolent as Christianity was benevolent, which, if not arrested, would shatter irretrievably all that Christianity has rendered possible. From the days of Spartacus Weishaupt to those of Karl Marx and down to Trotsky, Russia, Bella Kuhn, Hungary, Rosa Luxemburg, Germany and Emma Goldman, United States, this worldwide conspiracy for the overthrow of civilization and for the reconstitution of society on the basis of arrested development of envious malevolence and impossible equality has been steadily growing. It played a definitely recognisable part in the tragedy of the French Revolution. It has been the mainspring of every subversive movement during the 19th century. And now at last, this band of extraordinary personalities from the underworld of the great cities of Europe and America have gripped Russian people by the hair of their heads and have become practically the undisputed masters of that enormous empire. There is no need to exaggerate the part played in the creation of Bolshevism and in the actual bringing about of the Russian Revolution by these international and, for the most part, atheistic Jews. It is certainly a very great one. It probably outweighs all others, with the notable exception of Lenin. The majority of the leading figures are Jews. Of course, we find uh, later on that uh, Lenin was actually Jewish. His real name uh, Vladimir Ulyanov, uh, I believe. So we don't have a lot of time for uh, Winston Churchill on this show, but it's interesting how he's still been used to actually reveal what's going on in the earlier part of his career, wasn't he, um, Peter? Well, yes, uh, and bear in mind what Jesus said, uh, if they hated me, they'll hate you too. A servant is not greater than the master. And Jesus said, they hated me without a cause. And so uh, we, we might say, you know, I'm a mind my own business person and why would anyone hate me? But remember, if you're a follower of Christ, Christ was hated. He was persecuted. He was betrayed. He was whipped and mocked and lied about. And he was ultimately crucified as, as a result of the hatred of those people who in John 8 were described as the synagogue of Satan. So we as Christians should not expect to be exempt from that which our Lord and Master suffered. And uh, I think that's just so important to remember. If they hated me, they will hate you too. So, Andrew, over to you. Yes, I was going to have a look at uh, Anton LaVey as well, see if we've got anything interesting on him. Um, 
Uh, well, um, while you look for that, uh, let me just say, for those people who might be a bit uh, shocked or surprised or dismayed by what I've related about the demonic, occultic, satanic uh, heart and soul of Karl Marx and of Lenin and the entire communist movement, um, if you, like me, when I started in, in missionary work, are a bit oblivious about the role of demonology and deliverance and what's the answer and how, what can we do about it. Uh, I've studied people like Kurt Koch, a, a great uh, authority on demonology and deliverance. Kurt Koch's written a number of great books. I'm just looking on the shelf, uh, like the Occult ABC and uh, Christ and Satan and so on. Uh, th these are, are great books on it. And uh, I've uh, also been at Quest Savanta Mission, where Reverend Erlo Stegen spent a lifetime of dealing with deliverance and uh, bringing people out of uh, witchcraft and uh, amongst the Zulu people in particular, and has been blessed with great revival. Uh, God Amongst the Zulus is one of his books, and uh, I've been in many times and been a guest speaker and a guest in the home of Erlo Stegen and learned from him directly. Others, such as um, Reverend Greg Donation, who's worked a lot amongst the Hindu people and specializing in uh, demonology, deliverance, and so on, uh, and as a result, I've produced a number of uh, articles and audios and so on uh, and lectures and, and notes dealing with reclaiming surrendered ground, freedom in Christ, spiritual warfare, freedom in Christ, demonology and deliverance. And there's, there's some audios and videos from our Great Commission courses and so on. We have been training missionaries and how can we reclaim surrendered ground personally and counseling others I've produced leaflets and so on that you can download off the web on it, and you can see PowerPoints that I've uploaded and videos when I'm giving lectures on it. So if someone wants to learn about demonology and deliverance, uh, how one can reclaim surrendered ground, maybe you've come out of a communist or occultic background, and uh, the role of things like body piercing and tattoos is also significant. Uh, so I've written on these things, and if a person's interested, um, they can also contact me directly, mission at frontline.org.za, mission at frontline.org.za, or on our website, frontlinemissionsa.org. Uh, they, they can find these articles and audios and videos or PowerPoints on uh, spiritual warfare, demonology and deliverance, reclaiming surrendered ground. Those are, are some of the key things. So uh, don't feel alarmed by it. Because greater is he who is in us than him who is in the world. Submit to God, resist the devil, he will flee from you. And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So there's no need to fear these things, but we do need to be aware of them, and we can defeat them. And uh, there is, there's no doubt, uh, I'm, I know people who used to be communists uh, who've been delivered. And uh, uh, one of my friends in the past was Pastor... Ndabazingi Musa, he was a Zapu, Zimbabwe African People's Union a terrorist uh, officer under Joshua Nkoma, a hideous group. And uh, first time I had a meal with him, um, I offered him some meat and he said, uh, no, thank you. It reminds me of when I used to eat people. And you can imagine the kind of horror in myself. I thought, I'm having supper with a cannibal. And that wasn't the only time I've had supper with people who had been cannibals. And it was ritualistic that eat uh, hearts and livers and things like this of their enemies, and they believed that would give them greater strength and so on. So there's a very occultic, demonic side to this. Uh, and uh, uh, he told me about what, what was going on. I've spoken to people in the government of Zambia uh, shortly after the communist dictator uh, Kenneth Gunda was overthrown there, shortly after I'd been in prison with people who later became the next government in Zambia. 
um, that was another experience. And th they were uh, sitting in a lounge talking with me about how Satan would appear personally to Kenneth Kahunda. And uh, they mentioned a whole lot of these others, Agostino Neto and Samora Michelle. These are communist leaders in, in Africa. And uh, Satan personally appeared to them in the state house here in Lusaka. And I, I, whatever expression I put on my face, they all looked at me and said, I know you don't believe us, that you whites don't understand us, but it happens. Satan appeared personally to them. And so, well, you know, what can I say? I don't know, but these are people I know as Christians. I trust them. Their, their life has good fruit. And they were telling me something that is very hard for me to understand, let alone believe, that that these government leaders, who are all communists, met in Kenneth Kohinder's state house, uh, which is what the British built for the governor, and which is now the, the state house for the president's accommodation. And it would have occultic, satanic worship services where Satan would appear to them personally. Now, you know, um, I can only report what I've been told. This is not something I've seen. But I think we've all recently read about the occultic activities of Jeffrey Epstein's and political leaders, and uh, which include child abuse and child sacrifice. So uh, whatever we believe about it, we know that there are people who otherwise seem trustworthy who testify that such things happen. There is in the upper echelon of the world's leaders, or should we call it the lower echelon, um, a group that are actually Luciferian, they're actually occultic, they're actually satanic, and they're involved in, in pedophilia, child abuse, and even human sacrifice. And I know, in the case of some African leaders, uh, actually eating of human flesh, cannibalism. This is documented to have been done by Idi Amin in Uganda. He actually killed the Archbishop of uh, the Church of, of, of Uganda, the Anglican Church in uh, uh, Uganda, and ate his heart and liver. And uh, uh, that's documented. That's not uh, a question of, of uh, speculation. And similarly, Samora Michelle of Mozambique was also someone who ate human flesh, worshipped Satan, uh, he persecuted church in Mozambique. And the same has been said of Agustino Neto, who was the persecutor in Angola. And we can mention several other leaders. So plainly, uh, there is a very serious amount of occultism, human sacrifice, cannibalism, child abuse, pedophilia, um, sexual perversions, and so on going on amongst those who are enemies of the church. And this may shock us, but if we read the Bible, we'll see that actually the Bible warns us of this kind of fruit of those who hate God. So back to you, Andrew. Thank you, Peter. And I just wondered if you could offer to the audience, because I'm fortunate I've never had the desire to get any tattoos. But when I walk around, certainly where I live, which is more city life, I'm in the minority and I'm seeing people in their 60s with freshly done tattoos. It's become, you know, just as normal as going and buying another T-shirt or something like that. So you're now in the minority if you have if you don't have tattoos, certainly where I am. So what would you say to somebody who's got tattoos and they regret getting them? They can't really get rid of them. How can they, you know, get the um, get yes. the salvation that and, they and, need? And we've dealt with this on on your show before, and it's in the archives. But body piercing return to paganism, and uh, I've written specifically the um, the uh, leaflet uh, and article Reclaiming Surrendered Ground, Freedom and Christ, the steps we must take to renounce these sins 
and obviously it's, the, it's it's easier to change your hairstyle or uh, change your t-shirt uh, but once you brand it and this is some, why it's so serious with a tattoo and uh, with body piercing obviously the first thing we do is get rid of what we can get rid of take out the ear- earrings nose rings belly rings and so on and uh, wait for the holes to close up somewhat but there's steps to freedom uh, that we need to follow renouncing um, these evils uh, there's steps that submit to God, resist the devil, he will flee from you. And so to particularly guide people in these steps, I've, I've put down a series of steps uh, in this Reclaiming Surrendered Ground, which you can find in FrontlineMissionSA.org. Reclaiming Surrendered Ground, also an audio, a video, a tract, a PowerPoint, and a leaflet that you can print out. And uh, it's got the steps to freedom in Christ. So important that we be set free to serve Christ and recognize that body piercing opens the door to demonic possession. Now, when a person hears the word possession, don't think just the exorcist and so on. Not that I've seen that film. But but uh, I think Hollywood's versions uh, might give people the wrong impression because possession is more of a legal term than, than just a physical term. So you could see somebody driving in a car and say, oh, that's my car. Now, you're not in the car right now. But you've got papers, you own it, it's, it's your car, you've lent the car, or maybe the car's been stolen. But uh, so uh, in in the same sense, uh, demonic oppression or demonic possession can sometimes be that we've, we've surrendered some ground to Satan in one way or another. And one of the ways one surrenders ground to Satan is by allowing uh, the body to be tattooed or branded, which uh, is plainly forbidden in scripture. And so we need to treat it as a sin to repent of and as a bondage to uh, seek God's deliverance and freedom from. Uh, Back to you, Andrew. Thank you, Peter. And uh, I've got uh, one of the Anton LaVey quotes here. Um, Let me see, page 328. Um, This is 1997. On October the 29th, Edmund Rothschild dies in Geneva. Interestingly, on the exact same day, Anton Sander Levey, real name Levy, a crypto Jew, the founder of the Church of Satan, also dies, who in his book Satan Speaks states in relation to the Jewish blueprint for world domination, the Protocols of the Elders of Zion. The first time I read the Protocols of the Elders of Zion, my instinctive reaction was, so what's wrong with that? Isn't that the way any master plan should work? Doesn't the public deserve, nay, demand such despotism? And so there you can see the linkages uh, between, you know, the Church of Satan and one of the world's most famous Satanists and uh, and, uh, the protocols, Peter. Very interesting. And, um, you know, this is the thing. The Church of Satan, if you want to take a link between the Church of Satan and child abuse and human sacrifice and... Uh, then Charles uh, Mason's murders, uh, the Manson murders, um, Rosemary's Baby, Hollywood, uh, and go all the way through the Roman Polanski uh, rapist, uh, all the way through to Jeffrey Epstein, Harvey Weinstein. There's there's a link, and there's just no doubt that Hollywood is antichrist in general, and the few individuals in Hollywood who dedicate Christians are stigmatized and ostracized uh, very much, and uh, at the heart and soul of Hollywood and most of the producers, scriptwriters and so on at this stage is an anti-Christian prejudice, which in many cases is, is more like blind hatred and 
I think the more we investigate, the more we'll find that there's quite a lot of key people in Hollywood who are actually quite demonic. And Harvey Weinstein's an obvious example of this. Didn't care how many hundreds of lives he ruined. Uh, and uh, Jeffrey Epstein's another example of, of somebody who had friends in high places all involved in some unbelievably evil uh, activities. And uh, you know that there are those who are talking about that under that Kaaba-looking, uh, um, <laughs> uh, what do we call it? Uh, it looks like a shrine on his island uh, in the so-called Virgin Islands, which was called Pedophile Island by the locals. Uh, there's a lift that goes way underneath and is underneath occultic worship temple where all kinds of rituals took place, including sexual orgies. But I wouldn't be surprised if we heard that human sacrifices took part there too, because Satanism is not satisfied uh, with just perversion. They, they want innocent blood. There's an excellent video documentary uh, that's been put together uh, by the apologetics group, and uh, it's, it, Eric Homburg produced this called The, the Abortion Matrix. And he does some brilliant investigative journalism and finds some areas where the local satanic coven and the local Planned Parenthood abortion clinic are basically the, the same people. So that, uh, you know, from the director of the abortion clinic, well, that happens to be the high priestess of this Wiccan or Satanist group and so on. And then you work your way down. And there's some people that he gets on there who were converted and freed from this who speak about, yes, uh, we saw the abortion of the babies as human sacrifice to Satan, giving the most innocent of blood to Satan. This, this to us was like uh, an evangelistic outreach for Satanism, uh, holding our local abortion clinic. So if you want to see the abortion matrix uh, on the apologetics group uh, uh, video webpage, uh, you'll see the abortion link to Satanism, which is intriguing. Uh, but it's it's more than that. There's so many of these people. Just take the 1st of May. The 1st of May has serious occultic origins. And the fact that the communists have made May Day, 1 May, their major day for, for you know, having the march past the Red Army while the Politburo stands above the bones of Lenin on the Lenin tomb, which was built like an Egyptian house of the dead. You know, it's, the symbolism is just staggering. But the 1st of May is serious occultism. And uh, when you go into it, uh, you can actually see that it's an it's one of the two greatest occult high human sacrifice days, 1st of May and 31st of October. Those are on opposite sides of the year, and those are occultic, satanic, and communist holy days. Now, how's that for coincidence? Absolutely, Peter. And um, uh, I would just go to the video, The Head of the Snake by Whitney Webb with uh, Maria Farmer, one of the uh, survivors of uh, the abuse by Jeffrey Epstein. And she claimed that thousands, only a few of the victims have come forward and thousands uh, have never come forward. And so where are they? And that adds credence to what you said about the Epstein yes. Island and the possibilities of child sacrifice going on there. So I want to thank you so much for joining me again today, Peter. Fantastic study as always. Uh, Peter and I will be back with you at the same time next week. I will, of course, be back with you all tomorrow. And until then, folks, thank you for listening. And bye for now.